RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Okay, it's time to welcome Ivor Cummins back to RCR, all the way from Dublin. And uh, Ivor, good to have you back. I hope you're well. Great stuff, Paul. Yeah, sorry I'm mobile at the moment, so the sound might not be perfect. No, it's good enough for us. Okay, you've been in Sweden. What were you doing there? Right. There was a conference. It had a long name. God, I can't recall right now. Uh, the future of the world and freedom and this kind of thing. What uh, a really good, yeah, all that idea. And it was supported, kind of promoted by the Children's Health Defense in Europe. So Catherine Austin Fitz was there and the children he- Children's Health Defense people have heavily subsidized. These things are expensive in a huge yeah. hotel north of Stockholm and I brought over uh, with me two two Irish people a media personality and a, a doctor who's been fantastic during COVID uh, and my wife and I did around eight interviews of the speakers and got to some of the talks but super atmosphere incredible discussions for the three days and some stuff that was quite new to me actually uh, a guy David Webb has a free pdf a book uh, that explains in detail, and the the great thing for me was it's all primary published documents, primary sources. So it sounds fantastical, but it's actually real. And we could go into that a little. I think that's a that's one of the biggest stories I've seen in a, in a while. It, it's about it's about banking fundamentally, isn't it? Yeah, and in a sense, Paul, nearly most things about all this stuff, COVID, totalitarianism. A lot of it goes back to banking and the central banks, you know, and total control. Okay, so, so we know we know that there's huge debt out there, and um, probably most of it isn't payable. We know that uh, bonds um, um, are worthless to a lot of banks now. So, what have you heard, and does it should it worry us? Yeah, well, um, as David Webb, he was a hedge fund manager, and he tells the story at the start, actually. It's very interesting. His grandfather in the Depression and what was done to the people, and he draws parallels with that. But in the last 50 years, and it has been a half a century this has been worked on, it started in America, and they began to make the process of taking away your kind of paper printed rights, you know, like when you had certificates of shares and you really owned them, they were written on deeds and they were stamped. So they went through a process by creating a fear, a fear that the system was not manageable with the new technologies, you know, the usual thing, a fear. And they kept pressuring Wall Street and the the exchanges. Oh, we need to go to just uh, register book entry. We need to get rid of all the paper. But the reality is that's the first step you need to move to a system where people do not truly own what they think they own. Oh, okay. So they went through, yeah, so that was a big process, went on for a decade or more in the U.S., and it comes from the top, the State Department. So it doesn't come from China. He pointed that out. This is important. It doesn't come from Russia or bad Putin. This comes from the top of the U.S. government, the whole thing. So that's important to note. So when they had all that done, they began to move on to collateralization and changing the law in the sense that if you own shares or did own, you had your certificates, 
So then when that was removed, you still own them directly. If you're a kind of agent or bank for your pension or your shares went bankrupt, well, you'd say, oh, that's that's terrible. So here, here, here's where I want you to transfer my Apple shares, yeah. my pension. Yeah. yeah. And that was true. That's technically no longer true because they have changed everything and they've press ganged Europe starting in 2002 and through the last 16 years, and it's complete now, the Europe system now matches America's. Oh, and see. all assets, yeah, all assets, uh, except for hard assets like you have physical gold or you have a site or land, but everything in the system, which is most stuff, is all collateral now for the mega derivatives market. Now, that's a complex topic, but there's around a quadrillion of value on okay. books in, in derivatives market. It's way many, many times the world GDP. Uh, like a lot of it's virtual. And what they're doing in derivatives is they're hypothecating and rehypothecating. So your assets, your shares are actually shown as collateral at some level in, in deals. And then they're again shown as collateral in another deal. So it's a bit like the financial crash, the big short. Everything's re-promised and re-promised and re-promised as security. But the thing is now, if the whole derivatives market goes into an implosion, which is very possible increasingly, well then all of the assets go to the secured creditors, right? The yeah. favored creditors. And that is the JP Morgans. It's not even small banks. It's the JP Morgans, maybe the Goldmans, and the Bank of International Settlements, the Bank of Banks, and the central banks. In a crash, a mega crash, everything becomes their first call. And you are a secondary or tertiary creditor who has an entitlement or a claim on what you thought you owned. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, good luck with that, right? Yeah. And uh, just as a proof point, which I thought was very nice, in the financial crash, JP Morgan themselves, when the bearings collapsed, or, well, not bearings, sorry, it was the Lehmans and all, yeah, even they were worried about the, yeah, even they were worried that it was kind of illegal that they were the agent for the bank and also the senior creditor in, in this new system. And they made queries about it, but pretty much the government and the legal people said, no, it's fine. And there was a case in New York uh, State where they looked at this and they did come down on the side of the new laws. They said, no, you are the uh, executive or whatever creditor for this. So JP Morgan got to swallow all the stuff. Now, that wasn't a private individual. That, that was a bank. But it proved that this infrastructure works. The court right. said by the new laws, you know, it doesn't matter even if there's wrongdoing. That's another thing they put in. If there's a systemic issue, even wrongdoing doesn't change that it goes to the big boys. They even oh, wrote dear. that in. Oh, <laughs> okay, well, that's a big wow. So, so essentially what they've done is, just trying to get this straight in my own mind, they've taken, let's say, yours or somebody's share portfolio and then they've lent against that multiple times have they 
Essentially, yes. Many, many, many times. It's the classic derivatives pyramid. And if anyone saw The Big Short, the movie, which was actually very good, it's worth watching, about the 2008 crash, uh, I think that famous chef who committed suicide since, actually, Bourdain. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, They use him and other celebrities to explain this simply. And you just keep chop, reselling and reselling. They have a great analogy in a uh, in a Vegas casino, where they show all these guys around the table, and they look, uh, they each promise each other, you know, if they win or if they lose, well then X Y Z, and it keeps going on and on until the actual value of say a trillion dollars is on paper around a hundred trillion or a thousand yeah. trillion. Yeah, it, it's, the whole thing's back. crazy. Can never be yeah. paid back. That's it. Okay, so everybody loses their shirt, but that could, wow, what are the consequences of that? Well, that's the fascinating thing, and I I actually made a beeline, and uh, David Webb wasn't crazy about being interviewed. He really just wanted to keep feeding the information, and his mission is to get this knowledge to wealthy, very wealthy, significant, powerful people, because as he said, the big investor fund guys who think they're big and they think they know everything. They don't know this. And the big guys will also be swallowed up. So he thinks we can get action on this if we can only feed the information to, to pretty big, high net worth individuals. Um, that's his mission. But he agreed to an interview, and I think he did a fantastic job in 20 minutes. And the big question I wanted to ask him was kind of what you touched on, Paul. Did they design all this over 50 years with the purpose or the intent that it's going to happen at some point and they will trigger it fully and will attempt to literally hoover up all the assets? Or did they put all this in place just as an emergency thing to hedge against a problem and give them, you know, technically all this authority, but they might not use it? Because if you try and use that authority, as as I'm sure you're thinking, Paul, there truly will be a rebellion. It won't be like being asked to wear masks and every idiot wears them. Think about it. I mean, yeah. So that's the million dollar question. And he admitted that it's hard to imagine they'd actually try to do it in the next 10 or 20 years because of that rebellion. On the other hand, he said the sheer malice and 50 years of steady, determined work to pull off this enormously complex infrastructure it, it gives him the feeling that there, there's intent there you yeah. know and, and it's a fair point yeah because we've been getting to this point over quite a long period of time anyway right so um the uh, any alarm bells that could ring for the future have, have probably been ringing for a while now without anyone kind of understanding that that you know a good period of time you would imagine yeah, and that, that's actually a great point. If you think of the last three years, so many things that seemed unthinkable are now just a given. So, yeah, that also adds to it. After what they did in the last three years, it shows you the sheer insanity. And and David was saying as well, these people, he was trying to say, we can't just treat them like evil people. A lot of people who did this, there was one major charter as part of this journey a 400-page document, I think, that got went through the Senate, and, and no one even really understood it, but it was essentially drafted by two individuals. So, like, you're talking about 
very small numbers of people, probably obviously highly connected up to the central banks and the Fed, which is a private institution, the U the US Fed, but but like just handfuls of individuals orchestrating this through the system. And um some of them he said that many people now running this system have inherited from people who are now dead and they're almost trapped in this system that's been set in motion. But he really feels that if high net worth individuals and, and powerful individuals around the world understood that they too legally can lose everything, you know, maybe this could be just turned around. Yeah, it's, it's mad stuff. Um, so this must be some collusion if it's gone through the um, governmental processes in the US, then the politicians or the power politicians have known about this. Yeah, I would say like in Ireland and in many countries, most of our politicians during COVID were useful idiots. Let's be honest, politicians are not technically strong, mathematically strong, and they're certainly not ethically strong or principled. That's a given. So most of them don't really understand a lot of the stuff that's happening. But there'll be key ones like young global leaders and key individuals who are very connected, who will steer the whole ship. And I think this thing probably had the same scenario. You had key senators, very connected, who kind of were aware this was really important for the top strata. They desired yeah. this massively and they helped and eased it through and spoke up with some appearance of knowledge about how great this was. But the vast majority of the politicians, you know, they're, they're donkeys and they just go, yeah, 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 yeah. They don't care. Big guys want it. Everyone seems to want it. Vote yes. And I think that happened in COVID and, of course, in this thing. But in this thing, one other interesting thing occurs to me, Paul, uh, because they didn't want to bring it to the federal level back in the 60s and 70s when they were starting this structure, they knew it was dangerous to bring it to the federal level because it might end up towards the Supreme Court. And then people start asking questions. They went to the trouble over many, many years of getting the initial infrastructure in each and every of the 50 states. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's quite that's, wonderful. Oh, yeah. yeah. So long, uh, kind of irksome process, but they did it to not have to bring it up at federal level because that's where you could get a couple of people, smart people saying, okay, explain more here. And that's the one thing you cannot have, like in COVID. You cannot have open debate. You cannot have, explain this, please. No, 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 no. It's the science. Yeah. Same thing. It's interesting, the inter intergenerational nature of things like this, because you'd think that a generation that's going to time out, I mean, you'd think there'd be nothing in it for them. Yet these kind of projects last through multiple generations. That, that seems to be, a that, that always interests me, you know? That That is central, I agree. And when I first saw Dr. Jakob Nordengard's talk, uh, about the Rockefellers in the 50s right through to COVID, all documented, everything on the record, no conspiracy theory. Yes, the whole thing is a multi-generational strategy and plan. And the reason he said, and I agree with him, and Nordengerd agrees, uh, these are ideologues. These are people who believe, totally believe that they're not evil. They believe that it is their role or their mega-rich family's role their destiny to help manage the world because they've clearly stated the Rockefellers and others also indirectly 
that the ordinary people are not fit to run the world. There's going to be a mess. And the politicians are just idiots, national politicians, local politicians. They're only interested in getting elected in a three or four year cycle. So they feel that they are placed here, the elite who who have amassed enormous wealth and run international corporations. They are the ones, it behooves them to come together and manage the world properly. So that's what they believe. And that's why it's intergenerational, because it's their big thing. It's bigger than the money and the odds, because they have all the money and the odds. Yeah, that's that's normal stuff for them. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So what's the big thing? Well, it's power control and and a sense that you are a master and you are managing the planet. And believe it or not, it's down to that. Now, there's a lot of psychopaths in there and a lot of really, really bad people. (laughs) <laughs> no question. But but generally, they're, they're what I described. And the other thing David said, it was so true, that the murderers and criminals and hit jobs are down at lower levels. So the people driving it are not murdering and, and they're not they're not they're insane in one way, but they're not right. yeah. they're not like. Yeah, but they're henchmen down a couple of layers that execute on all this stuff. That's where you get the CIA. That's where you get the agencies, the Brigade 77 in the UK, the army uh, kind of psyops uh, unit that was meant for war that was used in COVID. You know, that's where you get all the people coming in who know that way above them, uh, the plan is X, the desire is X, and then they execute it in very nasty ways. So, but all that real badness is down a few layers. Guys at the top are drinking. We think we're living in democracies. We think um, that it's a sort of fair society and it's all about doing the right thing and uh, and progress, but actually we're living in a complete lie. Is that really what it means? Essentially, it's a, it's a complete lie, and, and anyone now who looks around can see it. All the talk about inclusion clearly has the intent of dividing. I mean, it's it's opposites yeah. day all the time with these. America, particularly, he pointed out, and I'd seen this before, the naming of the acts that are intended to cause inflation. It's called the Anti-Inflation Act. Yeah, oh, the name. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like to, Biden's Anti-Inflation Act is an absolute disaster for inflation. So they actually name it the opposite, and all the idiots just go along with it. It's all in the name, right? And one of the laws that it was really crucial in what I described here, they actually named it the uh, Protection of the Consumer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Act. but it's anything about, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's anything yes. about. So, so, yeah. So it's all kind of old-fashioned smoke and mirrors. <clears throat> it was the same in the Roman Empire. It was the same in all the empires in the past. You know, propaganda and fool the masses because the masses are busy trying to live, earn a crust, raise their children. They're busy. So you can just fool them with ease. Pretend they have democracy, but the person you vote for does not go and fight for your interests in any country. Once they're in, they're basically beholden to the UN, the WEF, the G20, the EU Commission. It's just a fact of life. They know they where their marching orders come from and they know what is perceived as important and all of your problems you the voter they they try and give you a few of those just to get voted next time but that's not what the game is and uh, well they kept in check through what fear 
Is it fear? Well, I think it's back to what we said there, the key individuals. There's very key individuals in there. And even in Ireland, I won't name names, but it's well known. There's a few very connected people. You know, they'd be young global leaders, World Economic Forum. Uh, they've been seen with the likes of the Bilderberg people, like uh, they've been spotted. So they'd be really connected. And, and they'd be absolutely proud of that because they would know I I'm in with the real big guys. Oh, so okay. really right. juice them up. Yeah. So they're on board but already. Then, yeah. Yeah. But a lot of the population, uh, politicians, it's not fear, but I'll give an example. We met in October 2020 with a very, very senior politician in Ireland. Obviously, I will not name. And I met with a CEO of a company, a few very senior surgeons, medical people, and a couple other business people who had connections. And we had a secret meeting with a senior politician. And I gave a presentation for 10 minutes summarizing COVID reality. And then at the end of it, he didn't seem surprised, even though what I showed him was shocking. It's like a bad flu equivalent. Lockdowns don't work. All the, all the stuff. And I asked him, I said, you know, how many politicians would have any inkling of what I, I showed you? And he said, you'd be very surprised at how many would be aware of of what you just showed me. Is that right? He said, but yeah. no, no one can. He said, no one can say anything. It's understood implicitly that this program is running and a politician says anything, you know, he's going to be toast. He's not going to be assassinated. He's going to be frowned upon, excluded, and maybe a newspaper article or two will start calling him a conspiracy theorist. Politicians know this stuff. So they keep their mouth shut and they roll with the system. That's their job. Well, we, we had that here with our, I don't know how much you know about um, what happened here last year in uh, the early part of 2022. We had a convoy, much the same, but smaller in scale, obviously, as the Canadians. They drove into the capital city. They um, entrenched themselves on the front lawn of our parliament for yeah. just uh, under a month. <clears throat> no politician would meet them. None. None. This is what you're talking about, isn't it? Exactly. And the same in Ireland. Uh, the demonstrations, the, the owned media attacked them. The media, it was comical, Paul. The media would go and uh, they'd hover around the demonstration and they'd just be looking for one thing, find one person out of a couple of thousand, anyone who had an anti-vax looking poster, and they'd take a photo, they'd then go and write an article. They'd say an anti-vax mob, and they'd have a photo of one person with a provocative poster. Exactly. Same with racism. Exactly they, the same yeah, thing. Exactly the same Yeah. And and the next level, of course, we know is uh, that famous picture in America, one of the demonstrations, not, not January 6th, but in a park. And you see these five or six extremely fit looking guys in their 30s, kind of wearing shorts and T-shirts and baseball caps and uh, clear as day. Right. They're they're agents. Yeah. And, and sometimes they're there dressed up in other stuff to provoke the crowd, provoke some a bit of violence, ideally, or indeed just bring posters with swastikas on them. And then yeah. the media get their photo, boom. Gee, oh gosh, <laughs> it's so underhand. Okay, just um, on this uh, whole question of banking, just one last time, because, you know, it seems that, um, especially in the US, you know, their debt is rising by, you know, a couple of trillion just in months. And even that volume of money is, is mind-blowing if you try to sort of visualize it in one place. It would 
fill probably a huge warehouse. And I think their current deficit uh, that they're talking about at the moment is $33 trillion. I know that's only a small part of it. But they keep on going into more debt. So it seems like this is an inevitable sort of train ride to the ultimate <laughs> um, taking of everyone's assets as unsecured creditors. It seems we're, we're, we're piling on towards that. Oh yeah, I mean the the organ grinder's monkey is is grinding away, and uh, it's just unthinkable. In fact, it's become so unthinkable that most politicians don't really worry about it anymore. I mean, years ago they probably worried about it when it was clear it was getting way too big, uh, but now it's so big, it's no one's problem <laughs> politically. I mean, it's just so big that yeah. it becomes arb- arbitrary. But you keep throwing money on the problem, and I think it, it was. Um, uh, Matt Piepenberg, he's a great financial guy in Switzerland, I interviewed, he was saying that even Hemingway and many others talked about this. You know, the, the novelist Hemingway talked about it. He said all civilizations at some point turned to debasing their currency and printing right. their money out of value. Yeah, and yeah. then there is social uh, disruption when that gets to a certain point. And then the inevitable solution then, the third step, is war. You need wars, you need conflicts to reset the system. Oh, and yeah. under cover of conflict, you get everyone then, the people, instead of rebelling against the government, the people accept, well, there's a big war, there's a crisis, and you get to reset everything. So World War One and Two, there was a lot of that going on. Now you can't have a World War Three that the bankers would try and encourage, right? You can't have that because the nuclear weapons and mutually assured destruction. Well, why are they prodding the bear then, the Soviet or the Russian well, bear? That, that's that's the question. Well, you can't have a true World War Three with, with weapons, a kinetic war. Uh, yeah. You know, you can't have a real one. Uh, so what you do is, yeah, essentially it's a psyops war now that you have to have, and that will involve lots of proxy wars. So proxy wars that loads of people get killed, but they don't spill over into the big one because the elites don't want a big one now because of nuclear weapons. It, it'll it, it doesn't work for them anymore. So what you do is you have proxy wars, conflict, fear in the public, tension, viruses, climate disaster, financial disaster. You just keep putting these bogeymen out. Uh, and between all of those things, you arrange a, a crisis atmosphere where you can maybe pull off a reset and convince the people, oh, my God, we need a reset. And you have all your bogeymen, of course. Now, I suspect, and this is not known, I suspect that Putin at the top level and Xi Jinping and whoever's running Biden, they're probably discussing at a top level privately how things are going and what the moves are. I'm guessing. I, I'm not sure I buy into there's truly enemies that are playing out their 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 anger on the ground in Ukraine, but they're not talking to each other. I suspect all the players are, are connected. And, and this is, in a sense, a, a big pantomime. And everyone at the top in the various power centers is making sure they're playing the 3D uh, chess game and watching out for their own interests. But I, I think it's a, a much more choreographed than even it appears, I think. Yeah, because Putin particularly um, would have to know would have to know of this, wouldn't he, to, um, to be informed about his military 
decisions because yes if it goes nuclear um then we're we're in, we're at the next level so he must be and his um, people must be aware of this situation yeah i would say they're very aware and i i would be almost certain i i presume that they're aware of the things that we just discussed yeah. and the world derivatives market and the legal structures and I, but i it's go a little yeah. further and i it would make sense to me uh, logically and literally as a problem solver and with no bias, no emotion. You'll notice when I talk about all these horrific things, I have no emotion because you can't have emotion. We had loads of people in Sweden there the last few days and they're all completely wound up about 5G and mass debt from vaccines. Once you get into that, you're almost trapped by fear yourself and you can't be rational. So, you know, I look at it just very rationally what would I do in the position of these people that I now understand very, very well, actually? And uh, what I would do is I would I would be talking to Putin at a high level, extremely privately. And, you know, there'd be amount of barter going on. You know, it's a chess game. Everyone knows it. Um, and there's a future where we all want to be sorted. You know, American admin, deep state, Putin, Xi Jinping. No one wants a massive war, right? So you're all going to be talking and, and you know, moving pieces. And, you know, I'd say the Americans knew before uh, Putin started threatening nukes. I'd say they'd already been informed. Hey, I'm going to be publicly saying, you yeah. know, nuclear. And I go, don't okay, freak okay. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe an element of that. Yeah, don't freak out because this is important for me. And it probably works for you, too, because your sheep over there are going to get more scared. And that's what you guys want. You want your sheep running mm. around banging into walls. <laughs> it's enough to spin your head around. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. And just um, the other thing that um, that maybe we'll look at just in this chat quickly is, uh, and this has been breaking news here too. We talked about it last week. New allegations. CIA secretly escorted Dr. Anthony Fauci into agency headquarters to influence its COVID-19 origins investigation who is this anthony fauci who is he <laughs> fauci is now he would be less like uh, thinking it's his job to manage the world and he'd be more sociopath greedy sociopath so he's a career guy he's 40 or 50 years in the cdc he's yeah. the highest paid person and he's basically become the top guy to direct stuff. And he would be connected, of course, to the top brass and he'd be helping them with their aims and also feathering his nest incredibly himself. But uh, there's a book, I think, Fauci's First Fraud, and it was the HIV. Now, that's a big story. Not going to get into it. Yeah. But that was grossly exaggerated and possibly uh, one of the early fabricated viruses and it was exploited massively. You remember early in AIDS, they were telling you, you could get it from sitting on a toilet seat. You could get it off your granny. Yeah. They yeah. knew that was bullshit. They absolutely knew it was bodily fluid and breached mucous membranes, you know, whether it's anal sex or it's, it's other things. They knew that, but they told us all again and again. You could get it, you know, if someone sneezed. So this and is the fear so porn. Was, this is the fear porn. Uh, version one, uh, 1.0 from what 30 years ago or even more than that now yeah of course and that that moves massive money into the biosecurity state and it expands the biosecurity state and that was fauci fauci 
that was one of his first big programs. And our boy did good, right? Clearly. Fauci was running the world of AIDS, all the news everywhere. And when people like uh, the various good guys in science came up and raised these points, they got cancelled. And that was 30 years ago. They were able to cancel scientists. Now, not as bad as today, but, but yeah, they did well, it because yes. it, was, it was imperative. Now, Fauci went on. He had SARS-1. He had his, his filthy fingers in swine flu debacle as well, that whole fraud. Uh, but he really came into his own clearly in, in COVID. You know, he was the elder statesman of biosecurity state fraud. And, and he, he played his role. And the media protected them. But it was interesting, the CIA, the CIA are heavily involved. And not because, well, the reason is obvious. The CIA defend the interests of America and particularly America's elite. So so it's their job to support programs that uh, are strategies to further the power uh, of all these organizations. It's their job. So, yes. The origins, if it got out widely, that it was uh, gain-of-function research, and it was comical because it was funded by the U.S. in Wuhan when that research was banned in 2014. Uh, they kept funding it through shell companies or whatever. And it was so clear from the four key attributes of SARS-CoV-2, four key attributes, including the spike protein and the furin cleavage site, Clear as crystal would not have come from nature, never mind all four coming together from yeah, nature. Lab, so, yeah. yeah, so it was it was a huge problem if the world, instead of being terrified of, of COVID, started getting really angry about who's the asshole who made COVID. So that's why <laughs> the CIA were drafted in. And it was a not it was part of their job to squash uh, the lab origin of COVID because it was crucial. I mean, it was a very important strategy. Well, and it links it back to the Americans. It links it back to the source, doesn't it, if you know the history of that lab? Yeah, absolutely. The Americans funded it. It was EcoHealth Alliance, I think, was the kind of company, and the guy who runs that is an absolute scumbag. Uh, but, yeah, they funded it. The Chinese, obviously, uh, Xi Jinping and the administration know exactly what's happening in every corner of their empire. Of so they knew they were doing it. And they also, I think, people thought, oh, China did this. No, it's like the, the structures to take back all the assets. It came from the State Department, the top of the U.S. So this stuff comes from the U.S. But I think like, like Ukraine, you know, Xi Jinping is connected to the U.S. He knows what the U.S. are doing making these viruses. You know, there's no secrets at that level. He also knows that the plans in the West suit him, because if the West create a China-like authoritarian, totalitarian super state, which they want, with QR codes and, and vaccine mandates and all this stuff, well, that'll suit Xi Jinping, because now he's got a chess player across from him who's kind of a friend. You know, oh, his God. empire is safer. Yeah. yeah. Putin, if, he, if he's sitting on the other side uh, of the chess table, you know, they're all playing the game. They are competitors at one level, but equally, they don't want someone to knock the frickin board over. So yeah, they're going to keep the game going is what you're saying, right? They've got to yeah. keep it going. Yes, to keep the game going. So China did their bit and they created an hysteria, a propaganda uh, yep. kind of shockwave that the West greedily gulped up because because of all the direction giving in the West to the media and all to, hey, this is the big one. You remember March 2020, 
I heard the phrase from several different media outlets, Paul, in March 2020, we will never be returning to the old normal. Yeah. And I thought to myself, yeah. <laughs> how are all these different idiots, because journalists and all are nowadays, they're idiots. How are they all saying the same phrase when there's zero justification for it? Who's telling them that? Yeah, and I, I'm not being a conspiracy where's theorist. The, where's the script I, coming from? Yeah. Yeah, where's the script coming from? What the? And then I thought, well, it must be another swine flu at a higher level, another cash grab by pharma or whatever. Of course, I didn't realize how big it was at that stage. And and that's how it, that's how it works, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, it's a game, and um, you know, so we're we're not. So Fauci's at CIA headquarters, and they say influence. What does he go around and persuade a few people, CIA agents? You know, like, hey, it's Tony Fauci, and what he says, you know, goes. I mean, uh, I wonder what that that word influence actually means in 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 practical reality. Well, yeah. Well, let's say I'm I'm senior in a corporate, and I've been given a very important role from the from the, the board of directors to bring in a new. Uh, program for the employees and we know it could be unpopular could be difficult and i've got a whole department of hr human resources and i have to get them to roll this out and to sell it through the internal media let's say and and everything else manipulative well i might bring in a top top expert in in this thing who will come in and say how great this really is for the employees and then, therefore, I get all my staff who have to roll out this crap and they'll all get kind of wide eyed from the, the top famous expert. They'll all get their kind of indoctrination. And that's important because yeah. you're sending out all the agents to 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 pull this one off. So you bring in a really big guy and you're all in the room together, you know, and catering's brought in and <laughs> yeah. it's kind of all fun. And uh, and then you walk out, everyone walks out of there fully um, motivated now because they've heard it from the top. And the CIA guys don't know about virology, but they've heard it from the top now. So now they are perfect people to go and deploy the program. They got um, religion. Yeah, yeah, I can just imagine he's he's the big guy. He's been on TV, stands next to presidents. He's always on the yeah. news. He's he's the star of the show. Now, okay, I see that. Just to sum up, is there a connection to be made then between what we started talking about, and that is the way banking is ultimately set up, and the need to – well, I can't think of any other way of saying it. It's brutal, but the, the need to have less people. <laughs> because ah. you can you can you can take the assets of people who don't exist, and it's probably not as traumatic a thing to deal with. Yeah, the connection is is ideological. I think so. What drove all this, really starting primarily in the fifties with the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, and it went on to the Club of Rome climate disaster, Rich Boys Club, and all the UN and WEF stuff. The philosophy, the ideology is, you know, we, the elite, are looking at a planet that is absolutely getting stuffed with human ants. And that's not good. Now, they probably are aware that climate change and CO2, that that's nonsense. But they do believe we're stuffing the planet with ants. And at some point, the ants might even go a bit wild and might even overrun us. It's not good. So we need to manage the planet. And we need to manage the ants. And part of that, a lot of the people involved, is a perception, a belief that we really need to get the numbers down. Now, 
the difference with me and some of the other depopulation people who are angry about this is they think there'll be mass murder. I do not. If you go in and create a world where no one wants to have kids or you even get the birth rate yeah, down well below two. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. yeah. Time will sort out the rest. No one gets killed. So I think it's just there's no mass death because that could blow up in their faces. And just like nuclear war, they don't want truly risky. A lot of them are cowards, actually. They don't want a truly risky war for their power because they might lose and then they don't want to. They're, they're selfish. So they want a very managed process where safely they can get less people and much better managed people around the world. And, and I think everything they're doing so far has been really smart. Um, so the depopulation is ideologically uh, goes back to the roots of all of this kind of hundred year program that we're now living its culmination. Uh, yes, they want less numbers and much better controlled numbers. Um, but I think it'll be. Yeah. And that's where you could argue that feminism is quite a useful tool. Not, not being down on women or anything like that. They can do whatever they want to do. They make a life, whatever they want to do. It's free, they're, they're free to do that. But if you're persuading or diverting women away from families, because they're the only ones who can have the kids, remember, and you're also uh, offering a sort of like, uh, well, there's, you know, the pill has, has, has been the biggest change there. And you're making, you're fragmenting women's lives with careers so they can't form long enough relationships to have families with and then find it's too late for them. And then that's a, an issue. And I know I've talked about this with a guy who made a population uh, documentary, quite a well-known guy, I forget his name off the top of my head, but that has led to a dramatic, um, a non-replacing birth rate in most Western countries now. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Paul, it, it sounds a bit to a normie like, Oh, it's a conspiracy theory that this has been prodded and pushed from the top. The reality is, without question, what you just described and myriad other things and social changes, they were all on a whiteboard in the 50s, 60s and 70s in the groups that drive the direction of the world, from Davos to Bilderberg to WEF to all these guys. They've all been whiteboarded in a room at some point and discussed over caviar and champagne. Wow. It's just the way it is. They're all strategies. And the beauty of them is they can't blow back on you because if you send in black ops and you assassinate leaders and all, I mean, that could blow up. They don't want that. You just keep funding uh, groups and activists in the way, the direction you, your result uh, lies. And that's one. It, things like Zika, the Zika debacle in 2016 with the microencephaly, you know, in Brazil. And we're all yeah. hearing about this Zika. I wonder what the hell's going on. That was a mega scam. And Fauci was up to his neck in it also. But what that got done, that got an absolute terror of having children all across South America. The birth rate plummeted. And during that period, they funded and brought in pro-abortion groups. And they finally got all of those countries to change their law. Because, you know, they were Catholic and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, totally. They yeah. got, yeah, under the terror of babies being born with small heads you know that's pretty emotional stuff right to a potential mother they've got all the laws changed to allow abortion uh, finally they've been trying to do it for years and they got it 
uh, interestingly, amusingly, they got a true fear of a virus. Uh, but people don't know the Zika story. Uh, so that's the tip of the iceberg because it's happening all the time. It's been happening for a half century. And it is true that the people are also wanting uh, emancipation. They they do want the pill. They they do want to be working and earning money uh, like you could argue, oh, equality with men. So all of that is real stuff that, that lots of people want. Uh, but the big guys also know that people want that. So they sell it to them and they push it and they fund it. And just like Just Stop Oil is funded by a niece of the Rockefellers, you know, and you say, oh, how, how come the big oil guys are funding Just Stop Oil? Well, they're creating climate catastrophe fear, which they want. So, yeah, the big guys fund it quietly. Um, it's, it's always the same thing. All right, Ivor, great to chat. Um, um, what we've been talking about is kind of depressing. Is there any silver lining, anything positive that that we can look to <laughs> against all of this? <laughs> you know what, Paul? I'm glad you asked that because I nearly forgot. That was another big thing in Sweden. There's an enormous positivity amongst the smartest guys in the room there and gals, of course, not being sexist. So I discussed this in my interview with Nordengard again. And he has a huge hope now compared to a year, a year and a half ago. And he's been 20 years studying this. So he's been looking at this stuff, the dark stuff. In the last year, he said, there is a very substantial awakening. And even amongst the people who took the shots and don't want to talk about it, deep down, a lot of them now okay. are saying to themselves, I'm not playing this game again next time, even if they don't admit it. People are meeting in person and, and virtually, though in person is important, all across the world. We're seeing the media pulling in their claws a bit. Uh, we're seeing the bad guys rushing hastily, trying to get laws in because they know there's an awakening. And that's a great sign. And himself and Professor Werner and a couple of the other guys I was interviewing uh, and gals, uh, they all have the same feeling now. They're not these emotional idealists, these people have been through the fires and they know everything. They know how bad it is. But they, there's this there's this feeling, and I have it myself too, that it's all to play for now. Awareness is the key. Real world interaction, slowly converting people on the fence, right? Using published sources, no 5G, you know, no mass death from vaccines. That's going to kill, kill this. That's going to destroy it first. All published sources, geopolitical facts, and slowly convert people and let them understand everything going on is against their interests and their family and their children. And we felt as a group, broadly, uh, everything to play for, uh, for certain, but it's all about awareness. And you guys, of course, are, are, are a key part in that because you're all about awareness and you're using guests that have facts and you're not bringing on people who have lost the plot and gone off the cliff into mm -hmm. kind of genuine conspiracy shit. <laughs> well put. Good way to end. Thank you, Ivor Cummins. Great to chat. And we'll talk again in about another month from now. Okay? Great stuff, Paul. Good man. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.